It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. All right, literally, literally by the skin of our teeth. We are here this morning at 6.06. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and my great friends. This was the first time this has happened in 21 years of broadcasting that I-85 south from my house to the studio completely, absolutely blocked. You've been hearing the, the reportage right now from our great traffic troopers and team in the traffic center, but it is completely blocked if you're coming down 85 south past Claremont Road. They stopped everything right there at North Druid Hills and diverting everybody over onto Buford Highway, which is what I did. And just got into the studio and plugged in my headphones, and then the little red light comes on. And as I've told many people, when they say, what time do you have to get to the studio in the morning to do that 6 o'clock radio show? I say, as long as I'm here before the little red light comes on, everybody's happy. And the little red light came on just as I plugged in my headphones and stood up to stand before the microphone. But how are you this morning? I'm here before you to say that gardening is still going on no matter how cold it is outside. If you have questions about your garden, about your lawn, about your landscape, about your trees, your vegetables, your pests inside the house, squirrels, bed bugs, anything you have a question about, living or dead, or anything you need to know when you need to get started with some of your gardening indoor or outdoor projects, you can give me a call, 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750, and your call will be answered in the order in which it was received, and you'll get an answer that's based on research and a little bit of experience from having probably killed the same plant that you're trying to keep alive, <laughs> because I have killed many more plants than you have. And that is one of those things that the gardeners that are experienced say about gardening. They say, if you're not willing to let a few plants die, if you're not willing to set cash on fire, if you're not willing just to see what happens, then you're not really going to grow as a gardener. My friends, I have grown, 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 grown as a gardener for years and years and years. So again, 404-872-0750. I must say, I must confess, I must tell you a secret, and that is this. I did not garden one bit this past week because I was in Bozeman, Montana, going skiing with my son. Every year, my son and I, for the past 10 or 11 maybe years, have gone skiing in the wintertime, back when he was a little bitty boy. In fact, we looked up to see where we had been when he was zero years old, when he was two, two months, I guess it was two and a half months old, and he and me and his mom, we all went skiing out in Crested Butte. He did not go skiing. No, he did not ski as a baby that young, but he, he was put in ski daycare as his mom and I skied that day, and from then on, it has been just a great time. We've skipped a couple of years here and there, but for the past, I think, 10 or 11 years, he and I have been skiing together, father-son bonding experiences today, or this week, I mean, went to Bozeman, Montana to the Big Sky Resort, which is huge. If you're not a skier, you wouldn't really care if it's that big. But for skiers, you know that the bigger a place is, the more runs it has, the more lifts it has, and the more fun it is because you get to go to different places and make different combinations of going up and going down and going up and back down again. And Big Sky is enormous. So we had a great time for five days together and had more father-son bonding over supper every night and lunch during the day and breakfast in the morning. It was great. I really had a fun, fun, fun time. Oh, 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 I forgot to tell you who I saw. 
Teresa Shrum, the great friend who used to screen calls before Ashley Fraskis took over. Teresa Shrum, who screened calls on the radio show for, I want to say, five years, eight years, something like that. Enormous, long, 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 long time. She had lots of fans, finally had to had to move to Bozeman to uh, take a job, and she'd always dreamed of going out west, and she'd purchase property out there. And so Teresa Shrum now lives in Bozeman herself. And so she and I got together on Monday and skied some before my son arrived, and I got to see her and talk about the weather, which is, as you might expect, cold. She says, on the other hand, that's sometimes a real blessing when you know that you can have a frost as late as June, and when you know you can have a frost as early as September, that doesn't give you a whole lot of time to get your gardening done in that period where you're just a little bit here and a little bit there that you can get done. And better have your tomatoes in pot so you can bring them in. It's going to freeze that night. So anyway, Teresa and I had a great time. She is doing a great job. She is the, let's see if I can describe exactly what Teresa Shrum does. She works for the state government, not for the Extension Service, but for the state government, and she goes and advises ranchers, pesticide operators, nurseries, and people like that on their use of pesticides and inspects them to make sure they're holding their pesticides and storing things correctly. So that's basically what she does. She goes out to ranchers and advises them on how to control weeds in their rangeland and uh, basically takes care of the environmental aspects of using pesticides on, on weeds and pastures and things like that. She seems like she's happy doing a great job. That was great. I was really, really, really glad to see her. Let's go to the phones. We've got lots of people already lined up here. Our phone number again, 404-872-0750. First in line from down in Spalding County, our friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Mr. Reeve. Hey, Nicole. Hey, good morning. Uh, good morning. I want to ask you if you called Teresa because I know she lived there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. we need more, more of her because people just use pesticide like crazy you know well, not always but i think that uh, pesticide use can be done wisely and i think that was teresa's uh, that was her her philosophy all along you heard many times on this radio show when she was here that she would say now you shouldn't be playing shouldn't be spraying that roundup or that whatever it was there because there are other ways of controlling weeds but even teresa would would admit that some cases pesticides can be applied safely and effectively and that's what i hope i talk about too safe and effective and follow the label that's the rule uh, you see, I go to um, Florida uh, once or twice a week, yeah. and um, before we get the the big cold, um, Valdosta, I think there was a dip over there, <laughs> and uh, there was so many frogs. I mean, this night was so loud because the truck was running the radio, and it was just incredible. Is it three frog or bullfrog? I don't know. Where did you hear this? You not in the truck. You could hear a bullfrog. You were driving. Oh, Mr. Reeves, you wouldn't believe that the truck was running. Yeah. And the radio was really high. Yeah. And I could hear this noise, so uh, I stopped. And it, it just around Valdosta, because there's water on both sides of the yeah. interstate, sure. you know. And it was so loud because it was warm. <laughs> it's probably like seventy degrees at night. I don't know. I mean, bullfrogs are certainly loud. I mean, there's no argument with that. The bullfrog, when he croaks in a pond or a stream, you can really hear him like that. Big, big, big noise. That's true. It's sort of a booming sound sometimes. So bullfrog sound would have made something you could hear, but I can't believe that you could hear it while you're driving the truck. It was really loud. I couldn't believe myself. I have said this, what, this noise, but it's the middle of the night, you know. Yeah, little peepers, a little bitty you know, green frogs. I call them peepers because that's what they sound like, and they're just beep, 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 
like that. So both outside. of the tree frogs. Yeah, tree frogs. Yeah, exactly. But I guess you heard a bullfrog, but I'm not positive. Maybe. I can't, again, I can't believe you could hear it over the truck engine. Um, you see, um, the noise was, um, I mean, really deep, really deep. Huh. And um, right after that, it got, we got this big cold. Then I didn't hear the noise. Yeah. <laughs> then, all those, all those frogs went back to bed. They <laughs> go deep in the water. You think? <laughs> I'm sure. That's where frogs uh, hibernate. They get down in a little pit, patch of mud beside the edge of a waterway, a stream, or a pond, or something, and they just sort of bury themselves down in the mud where it doesn't freeze, and they can. You know, they can take over some of the oxygen from the water itself. That's what turtles do. I have a little turtle pond behind a friend's house, and in the turtle pond, they get down into the mud and sand at the bottom of the pond, and they hibernate there for months on end. In the mud? In the mud. They can absorb enough oxygen through their skin, the turtle skin, and I'm assuming frogs too. They can absorb enough oxygen there so that they don't die, and they just go into a very, very suspended animation kind of uh, existence. Yeah, that's what they do. But it did give give me hope because I knew the spring was not too far when not I heard too that. far away. That's exactly right, and you were exactly right, Nicole. Because I know years and years and years when I lived on the farm in Fayetteville, when my family lived on the farm down there, one of the first signs of spring was the little bitty peepers in the swamp down below Mister Lamb's pond, and you'd hear them out there, beep 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 beep, and they would uh, mean that spring is around the corner. So, yeah, we've got spring around the corner, Nicole. It's coming on real soon. Uh, when I was a kid, me and my sister would play with the eggs. It looked <laughs> like jelly. Right, right, I mean, right. thousands and thousands of them. What would you do with them, Nicole? We just play with them. It was cold. Our hands was freezing. But we knew the snow uh, was gone and the water was overflowing. So the, they go and lay their eggs. Sure. You know? Uh, there are not many people who would admit to playing with frog eggs for fun <laughs> outside, but you're exactly right. Then frogs lay eggs early in the spring. Those eggs, they hibernate to a certain extent. They just stay quiet until the water temperature is warmed up enough for the eggs to go ahead and uh, uh, sprout, sprout baby tadpoles, sprout baby frogs out there. But you're right, little jelly-like masses, you'll find them underneath the uh, leaves at the edge of a, a little puddle, or you might find them on the uh, logs, sort of stuck to the edge of the log on the surface of the water. That's exactly right. <laughs> frogs. How about that? I, you, you have made me happy this morning, Nicole, because I had not thought about the peepers in a long time. And to say that you heard maybe bullfrogs down in Valdosta. If anyone is listening right now from Valdosta, South Georgia, if you can confirm that there are bullfrogs loud enough on the sides of the highway that you can hear them while you're driving a big diesel truck, please give me a call. We would like to confirm this sighting, or this hearing, we call it, of uh, frogs in South Georgia. Nicole, well, i got to go. I see it's 618, so we got to get out of here. But it's great talking to you. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day, too. We'll see you soon, my friend. It's 617 at News Talk WSB, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Showers, it's showering a little bit right now. 20% chance of more showers through the morning, but the afternoon is going to brighten up a little bit. The highs go into the upper 40s overnight. And clearing out, skies are going to be pretty nice and low in the lower 30s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Bill is out in Williamson, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Uh, three years ago, I had a volunteer plant to come up in my yard. It looked like a yopine holly that I had had of the house I had owned previously, so I let it grow. And I had a fig tree that was growing next to it. I was worried about the fig tree growing up over it and killing it. Well, the fig tree is now about five feet tall, and the yopon that looks like a yopon yeah. is about 12 feet tall. Ooh. Can you tell me what this monster is? It doesn't have any berries. <laughs> uh, I've seen a weeping yopon yeah, yeah. tree, but this is not weeping. And even though it doesn't have berries, why do you think it's not yopon holly, which is a bush? I mean, normal shape and size and form for a yopon holly is more of a bush, upright bush, than the weeping. But this is, it's almost like a spruce tree. It's growing up like a spruce tree almost. Uh, and it's beginning to put out shoots from the bottom. So you think it is a, a volunteer yopon? Uh, it, it could be. Yopon hollies are spruce. Propagated, you know, they're spread by birds who eat the berries on those that, on the female plants that do have berries, and those berries could possibly, Bill, have dropped there in your yard and sprouted. But even so, twelve feet high, and how many years did you say? Only a couple. It's been three years, and it's twelve feet tall. That would be fast for yopon holly. All I can suggest is, you know, pictures, pictures, pictures. We need a couple of thousand words on pictures. And so on my website, there's, if you can take some pictures of the leaves close enough and in focus enough so I can really see what the shape of the leaves is. But go to my website at WalterReeves.com and go to the Name That Plant part where you just upload three pictures and give us some details about what you saw and um, anything you can think would be helpful to identify. And I have all sorts of people who love identifying plants, including me. As okay, as we have a sounds good. That's we'll see you, buddy. Doing. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks for calling, Bill. Uh, 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Bill's place. Julie is in Douglasville and has a question about blueberries this morning. Hey, Julie, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? If I were not to pick blueberries, would they, would they stop producing? No. They would keep coming. The birds would, <laughs> would help oh. you pick blueberries. The birds would come down and say, hey, Julie's not here. Great, let's have some blueberries. Okay, that's all I wanted now, to wait, know. Why, wait, i got to know. Why did you ask that question, Julie? Well, because I'm planning some surgery, and I don't think I'm going to be able to get out there and pick them. You are, I understand completely. Sometimes you have to sort of think about your garden and in conjugation with your life as well. But if you don't pick the blueberries, they will produce them anyway, and the birds in the neighborhood will all be thankful, and you'll be perhaps inside the house recovering. You look out the window and see about 14 Black bluebird, oh, okay. not bluebirds, but wrens and thrashers and things like that, all eating oh, your blueberries. Okay, well, good. Thank you, Walter. It's great talking to you, Julie. Have, have good results on your surgery. Really hope Thank it turns you. out well. Okay. Thanks Bye, a lot. Walter. We'll see you at six twenty-seven at News Talk WSB. Our phone number four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. Anything you want to ask about gardening, about pests, about trees, about lawns, about shrubs, and those of you who have planted fescue lawns and are asking. Should I be fertilizing fescue in the winter? The answer is yes. It is time to fertilize again. If you have not fertilized at all this wintertime, then you need to fertilize fescue lawns now. Even though it's rainy and cold, they love being fed in the wintertime and cool season. So if you've got a fescue lawn and haven't fed it in a couple of months, 
get out there with a fertilizer spreader and give them something to eat. It's 628. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.36 and 39 degrees outside. Great Saturday morning to you, my friends. It's going to clear up this morning after well, a few more hours, and we'll get rid of this rain, and the ground will be soggy outside. What much can you do? One of the things you can do during the wintertime that you maybe haven't thought about recently, fertilize bulbs. All those little bitty green sprouts that are coming up where your daffodils are going to bloom in a month or two, those bulbs need feeding now. Remember the rule of thumb. You always fertilize a plant when they're actively growing. And the spring flowering bulbs, like daffodils mostly, tulips certainly, hyacinths certainly, if you feed them when they're young and when their first leaves are poking up above the ground, they will appreciate that fertilizing more than any fertilizer you give them after they bloom. Because after they bloom, the leaves and the, and the roots start senescing. That's the scientific word for it. They start senescing, dying, contracting, doing a little less with the fertilizer that's been applied. So do your fertilizing of spring flowering bulbs now. All right? Ed is in Sandy Springs, and Ed joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ed, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fabulous, man. How can I help? You know, I was, um, I've, I've got a little bit of a quandary here. I had a huge oak tree in my front yard, yeah. gigantic. And uh, it died on me, and I got the canopy off, and I left the stump uh, in the ground still and was doing it piece by piece. Yeah. Had a tree company come out, and they attempted to fell it and fall it, uh-huh. and they cut down it to, you know, maybe a foot off the ground and um, kept breaking chainsaw blades. Uh-huh. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. They finally made it through. Dropped the tree over the center cavity of the tree. It was approximately 200 years old. The center cavity of the tree was that black, spongy, you know, where with the yeah, rotten sure. die. But at the very base of it, down right about a ground level, it was full of rocks. <laughs> it was. It was. This was inside the cavity of the tree. It was full of rocks, and it looked like it had been mortared together. I mean, I've, I've got some pictures. Right. I'm more than happy to send you, but. It looked like it was mortared together, and we have had many discussions in the neighborhood around here, and it ranges everywhere from maybe it was hit by lightning back in the turn of the century or <laughs> right. maybe around the 40s or the 50s, and the old school fix was to fill it up with rocks and dump some mortar mix in there to try yeah, to yeah. stabilize it, or it was some kind of a well, and the tree grew up and around it, but... It's been a subject of lots of conversation, and I would certainly like your opinion. Wow. My opinion is wow. <laughs> what a great question, Ed. I it, think it, that you it, may it, well it, be it, in the it, same... It's the craziest thing you have ever seen. It is, and I've, I've still got it in the ground. I'm trying to figure out how to get the stump out of the ground. Because, <laughs> yeah, I can't call a stump right No. Unless you want rocks of, being thrown all over the neighborhood. That stump so, grinder will pl- throw the rocks everywhere. Oh, man, oh, man, Ed. Your th- I think your theories are probably as good as I could do, that it was either 
built over something that was already mortared or that there was a hole in it and they tried to fill it full of rocks and and uh, concrete or something like that. And, you know, Ed, if you are offering, I would love to see some pictures of this just to see if there's anything else that I can contemplate happening with that trunk. And why so many rocks? Why the mortar down there? Oh, man. And yeah. and it's, you know, and, you know since we've, we've cut the top off of it and it's still... It's full of water. Yeah, I mean, water, I guess, could be from rain or something like that, don't you think? I don't, when, when once it fell over, it was, it has been full of water, and it's clear, <laughs> it's clear, clean water. It's yeah. not putrid water, it's clear, clean water, so. Well, let's see, give me some pictures, give me some pictures. You know, on the bottom of my website, it says Contact Walter, and you click on that, and it gives my email address, and Will you do. can attach as many pictures as you feel like sending to me, and if I know anything else, I'll, I'll contact you again. You bet. I appreciate it. Long-term listener. And, hey, I've been out to that place, that part of Montana. It's fantastic it's out there. It's beautiful out there. Sure is. Thanks for calling, Ed. You bet. Talk to you later. See you. Good to see you, man. It's 6.40 on a Saturday morning. Diane gets her turn. Diane is in Woodstock and joins us. Hey, Good Diane. morning, Walter. Good morning. You know, Walter, I know it takes two to tango. But how many, <laughs> pecan, right. trees, how many pecan trees does it take to produce fruit? One. Oh, just one. They pollinate itself pretty well, yeah. I mean, we know that some other plants, we're talking about Yopan holly with the guy earlier, and Yopan holly certainly require a plant that produces pollen, which we commonly call a male plant, and a, poll- and a plant that has the pollen receptors on it, which we call the female plant. Pecans, on the other hand, are perfect flowered, and they can pollinate themselves, and if you have one pecan tree, you'll have, if you're going to have pecans, they'll give you pecans. Can you recommend a pecan for this area that's a real meaty pecan? Stuart works great. Stuart, right. Gloria Grande, um, there's another one. In my advancing age, sometimes I can't remember third things of anything. <laughs> you know how that works, uh, Diane. Uh, go to my website and just go to just type in the word pecan. I've got a whole page on what kind of pecans grow well in Georgia, but uh, Stuart and Gloria Grande are one or two of the top ones on there. Wonderful. Now, my church is going to have a plant sale, and I mm-hmm. we want the ladies who want to start uh, propagating uh, are planting seeds. Sure, now, I've sure. got some uh, sweet autumn clematis. When do I start uh start these seeds and since none of us have a greenhouse uh-huh. um, yeah how are we going to do that when is the sale going to be uh april april first of april or last of april or last of april you could wait a couple of weeks you could start around the middle of february particularly i'm thinking specifically of the clematis not everything else that other people have because they've got little different um, timetables on them i would say the middle of february would be a pretty easy time to start the clematis season that will give them enough time to get up and about six inches tall not enough time to climb into everybody else's pot that they're around because you know how clematis grows it's going to wander and experiment and see what else is happening around them so you don't want to all tangle up when you take them to the sale right so now, no a greenhouse. A couple of weeks from now. And the, you just got to do lights. Tell everybody that Mr. Reeves on the radio said you got to get fluorescent lights just an inch or two above the surface of the soil or when they emerge from the soil a couple of inches above the leaves of the plant. You have to have lights. If you don't, they'll be tall and straggly, and nobody's going to want to buy those plants from the church sale. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your help, Walter. I Thank, appreciate it. Enjoy thanks for your calling, show. Diane. I appreciate it. It's 642 on a Saturday morning. Mitch, by the way, I need to say my number, 404-872-0750. Mitch is in Winder, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. 
Hey, Mitch. Good morning. Well, hey, Walter. Uh, we I've, we've lived in our home for about thirty years, and we have a lot of pecan trees that are probably <laughs> hundred years old or so. Yeah. And and uh, every year we've always always had a bumper crop yeah. up until the last couple of years, and I don't know what's happening. But I have we have seen some worms in the trees. You know, uh, the, in the in the pecans, you know yeah. those webs they have. Uh, not, I mean, oh yeah, sure. No, it's not like they're covered. But uh, last couple of years, we haven't had hardly any. And then, of course, the squirrels get a lot of them too. But I just can't figure out what's going on. It's probably not your fault. <laughs> if you if you want assurance from me, it's probably not your fault. Yeah, Tr- pecan trees have a. A natural inclination to go on, off, on, off. Some years will be real heavy. The year after that will be pretty, pretty light. The year after that will be reasonably heavy. And the year after that will be pretty well on and a big, heavy harvest. And a lot of it has to do, I think, with the ability of the tree to recover from a big nut-bearing year. It has you know, a lot of needs for nutrition and things like that. And if it doesn't get what it needs, it just doesn't produce many pecans the year after a big, heavy crop. Okay. But, yeah, but it's just a... Uh, for 20, 25, 26 years, uh, it was, I mean, we always have plenty. And my wife keeps saying, ask them about the worms, what can we do? <laughs> if you have those big net-like things, big um, sort of webbing things on the ends of the, in the branches, those are fall webworms, if that's what your wife is talking about, fall webworms. Yeah. They had little to nothing to do with how many pecans you got. But if you want to do something about them, it's because they're ugly, uh, get a fishing pole or some rod or something and put a hook on the end of it made out of a clothes hanger and just pull all the netting down and hornets and wasps and things will eat those caterpillars. Pull them down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, you know, one more thing, Mitch. When was the last time you fertilized your pecan tree? Uh, we never have. <laughs> I sort of knew yeah. that already. But yeah. <laughs> th- that would be one thing that you could do that would make the pecan, you know, likely have more pecans on it. I'll tell you how to do it. All right. This is easy to remember. Um, walk up to the pecan tree and put your hands in front of you, one on one side of the trunk, one on the other side of the trunk, put it tightly against the trunk, and then step back one step. And the distance between your hands is the diameter. We know that, the diameter of the trunk, how thick the trunk right. is about chest height. And for every inch there is between your hands, let's say it's 18 inches, okay, for a foot and a half. It was 18 inches between your, between your hands. That stands for a pound of 10, 10, 10. So we need to go get 18 pounds of 10, 10, 10 and put that underneath the tree. Just spread it out, usually a little further away from the trunk, about six or seven feet away from the trunk, out to the drip line. Do it one time in February or March, just before the leaves are coming on, another time in May or June, and another time in August and September. Three fertilizations, same thing, 18 pounds of fertilizer, if that's how thick the trunk is. And uh, if you'll do that regularly every year, you'll be much less affected by their natural inclination to go on, off, on, off, because they'll have plenty of nitrogen and phosphorus and things they need. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Feed the pecan. It needs a little bit, just like Gotcha. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thanks for calling. It's 647 at News Talk WSB. Do we have time for Earl? Earl, if you're really, really quick, we'll get you right now. Earl, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man. Hi. Listen, Walter, the, I know the lady before you answered about when to start planting plants and seeds sure. indoor. Sure. But I don't know the kind of lighting I need. Uh, you said real close to the, the yeah. dirt. But uh, I I want to plant in the spring. I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Pre-planting uh, like tomatoes and 
uh, squash and yeah, cucumbers sure. and things like that. You can do all of them, and I guess I did. I, I didn't include what kind of lighting you need. It's fluorescent tubes because you know if you put an incandescent bulb about two inches above the plants, it's going to just burn them up. But fluorescent tubes, a couple of inches above the soil or the plant leaves, that's what you use. And really and truly, there's not going to be a lot of noticeable difference about uh, the growth of the plant and the type of tube you use, warm white, cool white. If you really wanted the best, it would be one warm white and one cool white fluorescent tube. But don't obsess about that if you can't find exactly what you want. But one warm, one cool will do fine. Keep it really close to the plants, though. How, what kind of wattage? Uh, you know, you know one of the shop lights. You get the shop light kit for 10 or $15 and a couple of tubes for $6 or so. Just get shop lights, the ones that are about what, four feet long. Okay, okay. Easy to do. And, you know, honestly, another thing you could do, this is what I do at my house, is I have those aluminum dome-shaped clamp lights. Again, you can get them from the big box stores from Home Depot or Lowe's. And those clamp lights, aluminum clamp lights, I'll screw in a 100 or 150-watt equivalent um, CFL fluorescent tubes. And that way I have sort of a round area that I can put my plants under. If you had two flats that are, you know, two feet long each, you could put those under a four-foot, maybe two four-foot um, fluorescent fixtures in side by side and use that but i can either use the clamp lights with the screw-in bulbs or i can use the the um, uh, uh, shop lights i guess you'd call them either one works just fine you can use them that way and again warm and cool or all cool or all warm either way it's going to work it out and again middle of february is about the time to start your start your seeds for tomatoes and squash and whatever else you're going to grow in your garden thanks for calling man i got to get out of here at 649 you're listening to lawn and garden this is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates four times an hour all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And at 6.55, a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Day is going to be sort of gloomy in the morning. Things going to improve, though, by the afternoon. Just a little bitty chance of showers throughout the morning. But skies clearing this afternoon. High temperatures in the upper 40s. And tonight, they clear again. Overnight lows dipping into the low 30s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. John comes to us right now from Atlanta on Lawn and Garden. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? Uh, enjoy, enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, I've got a fescue lawn in the city of Atlanta, and it it um, it seems to have the real fine soil, super fine, yeah. you know, clay soil. It's not red. It's it's actually a almost a sand color, and it just it packs down so much. Uh, obviously, I've mechanically tilled it a couple of times, but right. I just wondered if there's other things I could do besides getting out there and doing all that work that might, over time, uh, help loosen that soil. I occasionally see these miracle products that say softens clay soil, makes really clay soil is really soft, just apply these little granules or pellets and things like that. It doesn't work. The really, truly, the only thing that makes clay soil loosen up is adding organic matter. I mean, that's all you can do is to add organic matter. You can buy truckloads of it from uh, some of the landscape supply places. Uh, if you had a huge compost area, maybe you'd be able to dig some compost out and put it on your lawn. But that really is the only thing that makes things soften up. 
What's your What's your recommended organic matter? If you know, do you top dress it? Yeah, and then fill yeah. It in, or how would you do it? Call one of the landscape supply companies. There are two or three, and if you Google landscape supplies Atlanta, you'll find places maybe that are near you have a little yard with a uh, truck and a bobcat, and they'll load you up a truck and just say, "This is what I want. I need some soil conditioner to till into my lawn before I plant my fescue seed," and they'll have it. They'll tell you how much you need for so many thousand square feet that you have, and usually a layer. I don't know, half an inch to an inch, maybe an inch and a half if it's really, really hard red bare clay is what you need. Talk to them. Talk to the landscape people. They'll tell you about how much they'll sell it to you and for, and you can get it spread. And then you got to dig it in, of course. But once you've dug it in, it is a gift that keeps on giving. It makes the lawn so, so, so much more productive for the next 10, 10 years easy. Get some soil conditioner, till it in, plant the fescue, have a pretty lawn. A little bit of cost up front, but in the long term, you're really going to have something to be proud of. It's 6.58 at News Talk WSB.